Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. It wasn't in a well-trained army. It wasn't in taking that window at that particular time and all of a sudden coming against the inhabitants of the land. It was in God. God said, you guys sit vulnerably at Gilgal, surrounded by the enemies. They were behind the enemy's camp. And God said, I'll take care of it. Reaching up high with arms open Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. What do we place our security in? As Pastor Ed shares in his message, we often rely on material things to feel safe or secure in our situation. However, when the materials run out or prove to be insufficient, our last resort may be to turn to God. How refreshing would it be to rely on God as our first course of action? and to recognize His hand as the mighty and all-powerful tool for our circumstances. Just as the Israelites had to learn the lesson of trusting God, we too often have to be reminded of this important concept. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith! They didn't experience that. Instead, they became a byword for failure. A reproach. And God said, I want you to come to Gilgal. And I want to roll off that reproach. Listen to what Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 says. The Lord your God will cleanse your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul so that you may live. That's the doorway into life. That's the key into life. To have a circumcised heart. See, Paul said, it's not the circumcision of the flesh, but it's the circumcision of the inner man, the heart that really counts. It's when the sign of the covenant is in your heart, when God gives you that new heart. And God was calling the people to the place called Gilgal. And he said, I want to roll off that reproach. Are there things in your life that are a reproach to God, to yourself? Do you doom yourself to defeat? God wants to roll that reproach off of you. He's a God who loves and cares and is interested in you. And so he said to them, all right, you're not ready to go into the promised land yet. I want you to camp at Gilgal, and we're going to reinstitute the circumcision. The reproach was rolled off. Not only that, but the covenant was renewed. In Deuteronomy 10, 16, it says, Circumcise your hearts, therefore do not be stiff-necked any longer. And the New Living Translation reads, Therefore cleanse your sinful hearts. Stop being stubborn. Think about this military leader thinking, all right, we're missing the opportune time to take the city of Jericho, to take the inhabitants of the land. God says, stop. Observe the rite of circumcision. Well, That would have disabled all of the warriors, all of the men of Israel. They would have been vulnerable to attack. They would have been in pain. God sometimes wounds us before he can heal us. 
Have you felt the smarting knife of conviction when the Holy Spirit moves? It's my prayer that the Holy Spirit would bring up things before us, things that maybe we must make right with God, things that need to be changed. We can't limp along in our Christian experience and still carry along all of those things that God says get rid of. See, God wants people with circumcised hearts, hearts that have been made pure, hearts that have been made right. When the Spirit of God moves in a person's life, they become aware of their sinfulness and they become broken and they break before God and God graciously heals and puts them together. But it was a time of great pain. When's the last time that in the presence of God you felt conviction so strongly that there was inward pain where you couldn't do anything, where you had to just get before God and say, oh God, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. Come and work deep in my heart. Lord, times of repentance should be marked throughout the Christian's life. Not only when you come to Jesus Christ initially and receive him as your Savior, but the deepest times of repentance are often all along the journey when you begin to understand the holiness of God. God was prescribing radical surgery. It's hard when you put to death works of the flesh. It's hard when you surrender your will to God. Listen to the words of Dr. Larry Crabb. He talks about repentance. He says, one, to identify those interactions with life in which protection from personal pain is higher priority and obedience to God. It's too painful for me to say I'm sorry. God, it's too painful for me to get in an accountability group and open up my heart. God, it's too painful for me to change. That the crab goes on to say, number two, to replace self-protective manipulation with vulnerable obedience. Vulnerable obedience. Circumcision of the heart is what God is looking for. Deep down, where no one knows you, only God. Ezekiel eleven nineteen reads, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. How gracious God is. The next thing that happened was a time of commemoration, the Passover. That's the second point. But before you could get to the commemoration, there had to be the consecration. There had to be circumcision because the Bible says no person who was uncircumcised could partake of the Passover. Now, here they're celebrating this Passover festival, and for 38 years, they hadn't celebrated it in the desert. They celebrated it when they left Egypt. They celebrated it at Mount Sinai when they received the law, but for 38 years, they didn't observe the Passover. Why? They would have been hypocritical. They were walking in disobedience. They were living self-willed lives. And so they couldn't really you know, 
When people are not spiritually in tune with God, they can't really partake of the Passover. It commemorated their deliverance. In 1227 Exodus, it says this, that ye shall say, it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt and smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. The people bowed the head in worship. See, it was a remembrance of what God did for them. It was a remembrance of God's work in their lives, how God took them out of Egypt, how God spared them from judgment. And so they were looking back on that institution. Now, let me just make an aside, a comment here. The Paschal Lamb represents Jesus Christ. How many know that? In the Old Testament, the Lamb represented Jesus. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb, I'm going to get into some theology here, was not Jesus. It was a shadow of Jesus. Communion is not Jesus. It's a remembrance of Jesus. The important thing that happened at Passover and the important thing that happens at communion is this. I remember. We spoke on memorials. How quickly we forget. How quickly our encounters with God, his demonstrations of faithfulness, slip our mind and leave our heart. God knew we would have this problem. God knew that our spiritual memories would sometimes suffer. And so he said, do this in remembrance of me. Every time we observe the Lord's Supper, we are remembering that Jesus Christ delivered us from Egypt, that he delivered us from sin, that he washed our sins in his precious blood, that it cost him his everything. And so communion, when we come to this table, is a time of remembrance. It's a time where we are circumcising our hearts. That's why often during the communion service, there's a wonderful sense of the presence of God as we search our hearts as the psalmist told us to pray search my heart O God and see if there be any wicked way in me see we pick up the dirt of this world and the sin of this world and from now until the time we reach heaven we will be sinners having to deal with our own sinfulness but at the communion it brings us back to the price that Jesus paid Remember the words, I think it was Andre Crouch who said in the song, take me back, dear Lord, take me back to the place I first received you. Again and again, God is calling you and me to go back to that first place, that first love, that first devotion. We need intentionally to stir our hearts. We need intentionally to focus on God because the heart left to itself, will become hard and will become stiff-necked. That's our nature. I think of the old song that said, roll back the curtains of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. And God knew the importance that they would remember that he took them out of slavery, that he made a people that were no people into a nation. 
And again and again, we remind ourselves, but for the grace of God, there go I. It anticipated their deliverance. What happens when the Israelites partake of the Passover and they begin thinking about their past, how God took them out of Egypt? What happened? Faith began to build up. See, we build on God's work in our lives in the past. It becomes stepping stones to go further in God. So it anticipates, as these Jewish people were together and they were observing the Passover, they were anticipating a day that God again would do mighty things in their behalf. And they had already seen God do mighty things. That's why at Gilgal, they set up those 12 stones as a memorial. They would remind themselves. They would remind their children, this is what God did in my life. And we need to treasure those experiences with God to remind ourselves again and again. Just the other day, I don't know, for some reason, I found myself slipping into unbelief. I found myself worrying about things. And God brought me back to a time where he faithfully did something in my life, showed me his providential care. And that came back to my mind, and I began to dwell on that and think on this. Oh, God, you were so good. You provided. You did something so supernatural. It was your hand. And then all of a sudden, the doubt, the fear diminished, and faith took its place. See, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. And he has been sacrificed for us. He is our substitute. He took our place. He is. He foreshadows. He's our substitute. He's our security. Israel's security wasn't in their weapons. It wasn't in a well-trained army. It wasn't in taking that window at that particular time and all of a sudden coming against the inhabitants of the land. It was in God. God said, you guys sit vulnerably at Gilgal, surrounded by the enemies. See, they were behind the enemy's camp. And God said, I'll take care of it. You just make sure your heart is right with me. Hasn't God said things like that to us? Hasn't he at times spoken to your heart and say, be quiet, my son. Be quiet, my daughter. Next thing I want to take you to, God is preparing them. They go out in the morning, and this point is change. They go out in the morning, and for 38 years or so, they had been wandering around. Every morning, guess what they would find? Manna. I don't know what it tasted like, but I guess God's a good cook. I'm sure it would have been fine. So every day they'd go out and find manna. They got up one morning, and guess what? No manna. Now a whole generation of people had grown up on manna. I mean, they had manna for lunch, and manna for breakfast, and manna for supper, and manna on the weekends, and manna during the week. It kept them from dying. It was their food, their nourishment. And they get up, no manna. Hmm. What does that say to us? When manna ceased, the harvest began. When manna ceased, 
the harvest began. God says to them, can you see my provision in the natural? They had to go out and work for their food now. They had to plant and they had to harvest and they had to hunt and they had to do all those other things. Let me make an important point at this juncture. Manamu was miraculous. It was supernatural. God sometimes wants you to see his provision in the natural. You know, we sometimes want to have a diet of the constant supernatural. Now, I'm all for the supernatural. Don't misunderstand me. But sometimes Christians, I think, want to live on the spectacular. They want to be, you know, hopping, jumping. They want the electrifying services. Hear me now. Do you remember when you got saved? I remember when I was saved. I would listen to the pastor preach, and I couldn't move. I'm not kidding. First number of months when I was saved, I felt like I would sit in the seat, and electrical shocks were going through me. And I'd go in and feel the presence of God, and it was great. And after I was saved for a while, guess what happened? Boy, the pastor didn't do that to me anymore. And the song leader didn't quite happen that way. God was maturing Israel. God was teaching them to walk by faith. You know, sometimes we want to be baby Christians all of our lives. We want the bottle. And God is saying, grow. Will you serve me if there are no feelings? Will you serve me if there's no shout? Will you walk with me if you don't feel all of a sudden captivated by everything that's going on? Will you discipline your mind to listen? Oh, don't like that word discipline. God is calling us to a place of maturity and recognize God's work in your life. Recognize that he doesn't always work the same way. It's natural for a mother to feed her child. But could you imagine a mother with her teenager? Now open your mouth now. Here comes the airplane. God wants us to be mature. Manna ceased. One thing can be sure of, change. Oh, God, we're so used to that manna. God, we got to like it after a while. One thing we sometimes get caught up in is the blessings rather than the blesser. This is the way God blessed me 20 years ago. This is the way God blessed me 10 years ago. God may be saying, come on, I want you to grow up. And I want you to recognize that you can't put me in a box. Fourth and final point. Verses 13 to 15, the passage that we read. Picture Joshua now surveying the city. He's looking at those walls and thinking, boy, those walls are pretty thick. How can we plan to get around? He's meditating out in the field, praying, thinking. All of a sudden, what happens? He meets 
commander of the host of God. Here Joshua is, and Joshua is a brave man. Joshua says, are you for us or against us? Notice his response. Neither. Ah, neither. Joshua said, are you a foe or friend? He said, wait a minute. It's a question of whose side you are on, Joshua. Joshua was learning an important lesson here. The battle is the Lord's. 1 Samuel 17, 47, it reads this. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. Joshua, I want you to know I'm the one running the show. Joshua, I want you to know that the battle is mine and you work for me. Jesus said, I will build my church. Christian mother, Christian father, you're in a battle maybe for an unsaved child. The battle is the Lord's. He loves that child more than you do. Christian worker, you're involved in the conflict of, with the powers of darkness. I want you to know the battle is the Lord's. It doesn't rest on your shoulders. It rests on his. Then... We must acknowledge the leadership of the Lord. We acknowledge that the battle is the Lord. We must acknowledge the leadership of the Lord. What does Joshua do? He falls face down. And some version says he worships. He gives reverence to God. We have to fall at his feet. We have to surrender our leadership. Every leader needs to be led. Before you can conquer, you must be conquered. What Joshua was realizing was, God, you're my leader. It's similar to what happened to Moses when Moses was at the backside of the wilderness and he saw God in the burning bush. When Joshua saw the Lord as the captain of God's host, this was a theophany, we believe, Jesus appearing in a tangible way to encourage Joshua. And he says to him, take your shoes off, your sandals off. You're standing on holy ground. It's pagan territory. Canaanites surrounding them. When God shows up, it's holy. When God comes, it's holy. Until we recognize the holiness of God, all this was leading up to that. The circumcision of the heart. The observance and commemoration of Passover. The change from manna to eating the fruit of the land. Now suddenly, the commander. Now you're ready, Joshua. In the wilderness, Jesus was hidden from them. It says, the rock followed them. But in the promised land, they saw him. In the wilderness of wandering around, Jesus is hidden from us. But in the promised land of obedience, Jesus is revealed to us as the commander and chief to lead our lives. This morning, can you lay your sword down? Can you fall at his feet and acknowledge him and say, what do you want me to do, Lord? Here I am. 
Joshua is one of the most mighty warriors in all of the Bible. From the spies who were hidden by Rahab to the story of the walls of Jericho, throughout this book of Joshua, Pastor Ed will continue to point us to the Lord, sharing with us wonderful insights each time he teaches. Though Joshua isn't a book many study, it is rich with content that we apply to our daily lives as we walk with Jesus. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com to spend some time getting to know us and to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Joshua. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.